you have, and sometimes we don't realize, we have such a so- strong sense of urgency with everything that we do mm. because we know that the life of a of an actual performer and dancer is very short. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can get injured, you can start getting old, you can, you know, and you don't have that much time. It's yeah. like, and you'll, you're going to reach a peak. And then after that, you ain't peaking anymore. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, and it, and it is what it is because it's a physical thing. Yeah. And so sometimes you can get really caught up with being like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's mm-hmm. the next thing? Okay. I did the show. What's the next show? What, what's the audition? And so yeah. you, then you, start to lose kind of the appreciation of the present moment. Welcome to another episode of In The Arts. This podcast is a deep dive into the arts industry where I talk to creative professionals about what they do and why they do it. I am your host, Tani Fosdyke, and today I had the pleasure of talking to 10 times World Solsa Champion, Mario Acosta Sevalos. We talk about what it was like for him to find success in dance from a young age, the process of closing one chapter and opening the next from as he moved from Canada to Australia, and we muse about the intersections of art, body and music, considering the possibilities, the freedoms and the limitations within this beautiful art form. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for joining us today, Mario. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So just to start off, I thought I'd ask you, so outside of salsa and dancing, what sort of um, aspects of the arts do you engage with aspects of the arts instead of dancing um i think i based on my background of playing piano for so long for like 12 years classical mm. piano i try to involve myself with like finding new music and music is a big thing for me yeah and kind of the artistry of of finding new ways that people want to interpret me or make music um one and then i guess what's another artistry uh I think being being gay and in gay culture, drag queens, because I think oh, drag queens amazing. really, um, their artistry and their mm. vision of how they either want to interpret a song or how they want they conceptualize their their look, is very interesting. And so, in that sense, I can take a lot of inspiration or just appreciate mm. their art form. Yeah. Um, so yeah, music. Uh, what else? Started to get into musicals. Oh, cool. I didn't grow up with musicals. Being Latino wasn't really mm. much of our culture, but starting to watch some, uh, watched one the other day, Bright Star, mm. and Chap Off Chap On was amazing. I left crying. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it was just, it was amazing. So, yeah. And for drag queens, like, um, are you seeing that more like live in Melbourne or are you following some more people like online and through um, television? I, and I mean, I do like watch that. RuPaul's Drag Race, mm-hmm. typical. I, I listen to their soundtrack. Oh. When, when I was at the gym, I'm just like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, drag queens are something else in this world, but they, mm-hmm. they're amazing. Um, yeah, so other than RuPaul's Drag Race, which I am religiously following, yeah. and right now there's the UK season, it's just amazing. Um, but other than that, I do follow some 
there's some I've met some drag queens living here. Oh, amazing! Um, yeah, which are really good, and I like to see them. Yeah, yeah, cool. Have you ever dressed in drag? Have I've done, done any- drag once. Yeah, in Halloween, my friends oh, cool. convinced me. Um, it was like 2015, so four oh, nice. years ago, back back in my hometown, Edmonton. So yeah, it was yeah. It's it's definitely a production. It is. It's it was five hours to get ready. Mm. It was a very big big ordeal but it was fun yeah, it was fun good. i i did it this year for my birthday mm. um my friend came down and i was having a birthday party but we just decided to dress up but it took us like a whole day of shopping the day before it was just you know huge and then yeah, it took us a couple hours to get ready mm. i was a drag king mm. which was yeah it was amazing and um everyone who came they would like open the door and they'd be like oh, what's a dress up there's like this panic in their eyes i'm like no 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 so i'm like i just wanted to do drag today and they're like oh okay <laughs> no it's it's yeah it's fun it's yeah it's definitely fun and when you are an observer rather than someone who's dancing what does art do for you i think art makes you or makes me feel different feelings different emotions mm. so it's very interesting for me to watch something or to experience it and i think it just pulls out kind of emotions that i'm feeling within within myself yeah um and i think the beauty of art is sometimes you it makes you realize that either you're really happy or you're really grateful for your life or at that moment you're a little bit sad about something Mm. and you haven't really thought about it and you've kind of like tucked it in and you know um it's easy to kind of um how can i put it it's easy to kind of kind kind of mask not mask but kind of like not feel things because mm. day-to-day life is really busy and demanding and you have to keep going. And so when you um, sit down or and you're watching or hearing someone's art and they're making you feel emotion, it kind of makes you open up and realize things about your own life and you get to appreciate that person's artistry. Yeah, do you, do you remember your first connection with the arts? My first connection with the arts? Um, let's see. I think... A, a big thing, and I think I, it kind of makes me laugh, is music is such a big thing mm. in in my life. And I listen to music consistently. Like, my friends actually find it so annoying how much I listen to music. Like, if I have to get ready and I have 10 minutes to get ready, it's like, okay, where's my speaker? Like, turn it on. Yeah. And just I'm always listening to music. And I know that from a young kid. My parents told me the story. Um, they used to take me with them when I was really little to their work. And so they mm. had a commercial cleaning company. So sometimes I'd have to be with them and they would have to work overnight. Um, and the only way I would fall asleep was they'd play a the cassette, like they'd play the sound system mm. on the cassette. And so mm. I would fall asleep to listening to like Spanish, like cumbia, merengue, like Spanish music yeah. you dance to yeah. that would put me to sleep. That's and then the funny. second that the, the cassette would finish and you know you have to go and flip it over, they would know because I'd like wake up crying. Oh my God. Yeah, so <laughs> I was like, you were so annoying because all you wanted to do is listen to Spanish music. <laughs> um, so I think music was kind of the first connection of the yeah. arts, other than just dancing, but I would say music. Yeah, and when did you start pursuing dance? Um, well, I started dancing when I was four. And being an only child, my parents put me in almost everything you can think of. So dancing mm-hmm. was one of the hobbies that my parents put me into. Yeah. Uh, I started with flamenco dancing mm-hmm. uh, from Spain. And then I went into Ecuadorian folklore, which yeah. is where my background, my parents are mm-hmm. both from Ecuador. And then I started with salsa roughly when I was like eight or nine. Yeah. Um, and so dancing just kind of kept evolving. And I just loved 
I think everything that I like to do, I love learning new things. Yeah. So at that time, it was like learning how to do taekwondo, learning how to play piano, mm-hmm. learning how to play trumpet, learning how to dance. And so just that eagerness of learning and trying new things and pushing myself is what I just love doing. Yeah. And I was lucky enough for my parents financially and, and just morally would support me in doing that. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of kept evolving. And now yeah. 22 years later, I, I still dance. And so you, did you gravitate? It's interesting because you're from Canada, mm. um, but you're pursuing more Latino dance forms. Is that correct? Mm, yeah. Um, is there a big community in Canada that are engaging with Latino dance and things like that? Yeah, I think Latin dancing, um, it's really big throughout mm. the world. Um, and the beauty of Latin dancing is just there is, uh, I think, Latin music and Latin culture can be so... Um, exciting and lively and mm. just can bring a lot of happiness and just joy within yeah. the music. And so then the dancing kind of just speaks for itself. And I think the the, the great thing, I mean, I, I'm Latino, I'm Hispanic, so I, I can understand the music and I can really yeah. understand it. But I think the it's very interesting to see non-Hispanic people, non-Hispanic cultures appreciate Spanish or Latin yeah. music because it just makes them feel something. Like they mm. hear it and they want to get up and dance, right? Yeah. They hear it and they're like, they can picture like movies like Dirty Dancing and being mm. in Havana, being in Cuba and be like, oh, I want to be like, be like Patrick Swayze. I want to dance like that, right? So yeah. Um, yeah, within Canada, there is there is a big um, Latin dance community mm-hmm. That happens. And I think it's it's big throughout the world. Obviously, some countries are bigger yeah. than others, but um, it really connects to more than just Latin, Hispanic people. Yeah, Which is amazing cool. to see. Saying that, I, I just think about when I go down Ligon Street mm. to go to the, the cinema and across the road, there's like a like it's like a pizza place. And up the top, there's always um dancing up at the top. Mm. Uh, it must be like ballroom or salsa. Mm. But it always makes me feel so happy because I yeah. can just see these people and they're just moving so quickly. And having fun and yeah, laughing and sweating. Exactly. And like, yeah. It's... And it's just like a Monday night and, you know, people are enjoying themselves. Mm. It just seems such a fun thing to engage yourself with. But also challenging yeah, as well, which it's, is rewarding. Yeah. Um, with salsa, so I pre- predominantly do salsa. I've done mm. all all yeah. genres mostly. Uh, but right now I teach. And my most of my career has been as a salsa dancer. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of salsa is just it's a it's a social dance and that's kind of how it started. Yeah, okay. So with the social dance, and I always tell I always tell my students, and I'm like, you know, the things we work on in classes and, mm. and what I teach is to give you the ability to pretty much if you wanna like and I've experienced this myself, you can travel anywhere around the world. Yeah. And you will like 90%, 95% will find a Latin social dance night, like a salsa night or bachata yeah. night in that city, in that country. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to speak the same language as that person. You can play charades to be like, do you want to dance? And it's like, <laughs> don't have to speak, won't understand each other other than the language of dance. That's and it's beautiful. so much fun to do that mm-hmm. and travel, get to meet new people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. But it was yeah. it happened to be through dancing through land dancing through salsa that's beautiful and and when did you start gravitating towards salsa over the other forms of dance that you were engaging with funny enough so i started when i was roughly eight or nine mm-hmm. and my dad got me into it he dragged yeah. me into a class i never wanted i didn't really want to do it <laughs> i don't know why um ironically enough and i started and again it was that challenge of like oh this is fun this is new mm. this is this is cool so i started when i was like roughly eight or nine and then um 
my, I would always say my dad was kind of like my dance mom, like my dance manager. <laughs> and so he would always ask around. And I, I kept wanting to perform and, and working with instructors. Kind of the, the feedback we got was, okay, like, if you want your son to continue dancing mm-hmm. and you want him to get better, then he needs to do other forms of dance. So he okay, needs to go yeah. into ballet, he needs to go into jazz, mm-hmm. ballroom. And that's kind of what happened. So yeah. I started doing ballet jazz roughly when I was 10. And then when I was like 13, 14, I went into ballroom. Okay. And then I competed in in ballroom, like both Latin and standard or ballroom dancing mm. for almost nine years. And I went like hardcore, like wow. practicing six days a week, Crazy. competing, represented Canada and mm. internationally. Um, yeah, did nationals, went, na- went internationally with mm. it. And what was it like being a teenager and being quite serious about dance? Um did you view it as a profession at that time? It was really interesting. I uh, And I guess growing up, like, I mean, I had friends and, and I had a friend circle and I would see them, but I also had an outside friend circle based on the extracurricular activities that I did, right? Yeah. So I would have, like, friends that I, let's say, in my, the ballet jazz world, right? I would have friends that that was my group. I was in that senior group. Those were my yeah. friends for that. And then I had my ballroom friends and... um I didn't really get to spend much time with my school friends mm-hmm. just because I was always busy. I was always either in practicing or I had comps or I had performances yeah. or I had to travel. Um, so like my growing up was very different. Mm-hmm. Like it was very, I was used to being busy. I was used to having yeah. a schedule. I was used to having timelines since I was really young. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Did you ever have a moment during your teens where you wanted to kind of break away from that? The felt stifled were you always kind of very inspired and no I guess I was always I was always inspired to do Mm -hmm. more things and learn more things and I guess I always knew that um not everyone will have those opportunities yeah and I'm pretty much uh, I would say I live my life being an opportunist Mm. so it's like I know that not a lot of kids growing up are going to have um parents that are just able to allow them to do all these things mm-hmm. i also know like my parents coming from ecuador they'd always kind of remind remind me being like look like we work hard to mm-hmm. give you these opportunities like if you really want to do that we're not forcing you but do them well and and, yeah. and really like try mm-hmm. just because it's like not just try for us but try it for yourself try yeah. it, try it because you like doing it and you want mm-hmm. to do it and we like seeing you do new things and be happy and and we're proud of you to mm-hmm. challenge yourself and then see the outcome yeah, having a supportive parents is like so important. Can oh yeah, my you, can, parents. Can my, you imagine who you'd be without? Oh, my parents are amazing. Yeah, love them to pieces. They're crazy as bits, but mm. they're amazing. They they are very supportive. And after high school, did you do any more training, or is is this in the dance world? You're kind of like already on on your way. Do you need to go to a certain school, or do you kind of just start engaging with studios? How, how does that work? Yeah, um, interesting. I th- I think everyone's dance journey is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, but for myself, I, so when I was like 14, 13, I still was, I still was doing salsa. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time I started teaching when I was like 15, 15, I started teaching, wow. uh, adults. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of with the school. Yeah. I was really <laughs> young and then I started teaching and, but at the same time I was still competing, prof- like mm-hmm. not professional, but I was in, in the amateur division. I was still competing for myself, like yeah. with my partner in ballroom and in, in, yeah. in Latin. And so we, we my first ballroom partner, we danced together for almost 
I would say six years, mm-hmm. seven years. Wow. So we grew up together from like 14, 15 when we started all the way to like 20, 21 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, it, it, I think it just depends what you're wanting to do. I still, I still had my coaches I would work on. I, I still was taking classes. Then I was also teaching. Um, yeah. And then when I was 20 is when I started, when I had my own dance company. Wow. So I, yeah. I, I tried to balance between like nurturing and I think my, I, it was around 18, 19, when after I finished high school, funny enough, my parents, they were the most supportive parents, but they mm. always reminded me that dancing was just a hobby. So it was uh, the yeah. weird, that's the other thing. It was the mm. weirdest thing growing up where like my parents would be like, do this. You want to do that? Okay, let's do it. You want to try this? Fine. Blah, blah, blah. But remember dance is just a hobby. You have to go to school. Yeah. You have to go to university. It's like, yes. Okay. I do want to go to school, but I, I'd always just kind of brush it off and be like, okay, when we get there, when we get there, yeah. it'll be fine. But once I finished high school, that's when it was kind of like, okay, you're going to uni. And it's like, wait a minute. I want to go to school, but I don't know what I want to do yet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm. I realized if I'm not passionate about something, mm. I don't really succeed in it. Yeah. I'm just like, ugh, boring, next. Yeah. I have to be passionate about something because mm. then I'll push myself. Then I'll actually work towards doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came to school, I knew the value of, of going to school. I knew the value of education and I really wanted to, but I knew about myself at that point. Mm-hmm. I was very aware that I was like, if I don't find something I like, that I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so around that time is when dancing went from hobby to, okay, you want mm-hmm. this to make, you want to make this your career. And that's when my parents were like, fine, if you want to make this your career, my biggest thing with my parents or their biggest thing with me was like, yes, be a dancer, nurture your own dancing. Mm-hmm. But, and just like as, as anything, any sport, like your time window, your time frame of being a dancer is very small. Okay. So think of what are you going to do afterwards? Yeah. So for my parents, we're like, look, do you like teaching? And I was like, yeah, I actually like teaching. Mm-hmm. Like I love working with people. Yeah. Then my parents were like, fine, not only develop in these years being a dancer mm-hmm. and being a better dancer, develop being a better teacher, develop yeah. how to, yeah. how to just how to be a better teacher. Because mm-hmm. if you don't nurture that, then when you're done dancing or when you can't dance or when you're injured, mm. if you're not a good teacher or if you're not like, you don't have a reputation of being a, a good teacher, then you kind of wasted some really good years yeah. to nurture that. So I think around 18, 19 is when I kind of had that switch of like, okay, mm. I want this to be my career. I know I want to keep dancing. Mm-hmm. I know I want to push myself, but I also know that I don't want to be a dancer that works at a cafe. So yeah. I have to teach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it's like, okay. You, you have, this is also another learning thing. How can you become a better teacher? Mm. So then you can build a reputation of being not just a dancer, but also a good instructor and coach or mentor. Yeah. Teacher. I mean, that's such a good, um, way to be thinking when you're 18 years old as well, but it shows that you had this like drive to make your career sustainable. Mm. Yeah. I, it, funny enough, when people ask me, I was, yeah, I was nine, I was 20 when I decided to have my own dance company. Crazy. <laughs> I was so naive. I was like, now Ambitious. looking, now looking back at it, I'm like, what were you thinking? But it was, it was great. And I, and I loved it. Um, but yeah, my parents were, they were, they owned their own businesses. Mm-hmm. So I think growing up, they've influenced me to just, yeah. I just wanted to be my own boss. Like I was like, yeah. I was like, it's nice to work for someone. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I like working for someone but being your own boss making your own set of rules mm. doing it your way i just at that age i was like i'm doing it I'm cool. gonna, i don't care 
how long did you have that studio for? So uh, the dance company, we would rent out different studios. Yeah. So I rented out the ballroom studio that mm-hmm. I would use, that I was training in. Yeah. Um, but I had Salsa Vitus for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, five years. Oh, cool. And so yeah. it, and then it, um, I Salsa Vitus, the dance company, doesn't is not does not run anymore because I don't live in Edmonton. So uh, when I moved yeah. to Australia, mm-hmm. that's when I it was all finished. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And. You're also the 10 times world salsa champion, which is incredible. Um, can you tell me about, do you, can you just tell me about the first time you won this title and what that was like for you? It was the first time I won this title. I remember I was 16 mm-hmm. um, and it was at the 2010 World Line Dance Cup in San Diego. And um, at that time I was already competing. I was 16, 17. And I was, I started competing against like adults and mm. professional categories like a couple of years before that. Um, and went to this competition and I was in two categories. I remember I was, I was in the professional on two division, which is just a style of salsa. And then I was in the first ever, um, professional, um, male same gender mm-hmm. division, which is very, um, it was kind of uh, groundbreaking at that time because mm. there wasn't really any same gender um, divisions or com- or yeah divisions in oh, competitions. So it, was your partner male? Some- oh, cool. Male, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we happened that year was the first year it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of the background story was kind of like um, there was in salsa right now. You have obviously the very like the traditional male and female Mm -hmm. dancing together lead and follow um and then you'll also have like same gender Mm -hmm. and so within the same gender there was a very famous couple named eli and yen from Mm -hmm. um california Mm -hmm. um and so they started competing one was the follow one would do the the girl part what we say right the follow and one would lead and so before 2010 they started entering competitions because he loved he loved kind of what the woman do did. Like he mm. loved spinning and he loved doing all those things. And he wanted to create art being a follow. Yeah. Um, but up to that point, um, he would enter competitions and it was kind of a gray area. Cause it was like, wait a minute, you're competing against a, a female now. Right. And oh, so there yeah. is that sort of physiological kind of, um, and physical advantage that male mm. men have where mm. you can ha- be a little bit stronger. You can have a different, uh, influence, I think. Yeah. Um, so up until that point, he, re- they weren't really allowed to compete because mm-hmm. there was no division. So when 2010 happened, um, they, they made a division, but unfortunately, Yen died the year before oh that. Oh my God. Sad. So it was being part of that division mm. in 2010, being 16. And so at that time, my coach and I, we just did what's called shines. And shines mm. is like just footwork. Yeah. So we never really danced together as a lead and follow, but yeah. we did side by side shines. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, that was when I entered that, that competition, there was two divisions and that one was kind of on the back burner. Mm-hmm. That one, we did it for just shits and giggles. Yeah. It was a routine that I learned with him four years ago when I started. And we, he made a joke like, oh, why don't we compete? Why don't we use the routine that you learned back when we started? And I'm like, uh huh. He's like, yeah, let's just do it. And I'm like, John, cause the name is John, not advise. I'm like, John, we haven't practiced nor performed that routine in <laughs> four years. Like, what do you mean you want to compete? Mm. He's like, come on, you'll be fine. Like, let's just, let's do it. I remember the performance before the comp, because we did it four times. We did a performance before the comp, quarterfinal, semifinal, mm. final. 
performance for the comp was probably one of my worst perform. I didn't remember anything of the routine. I blanked out. I was like, this is terrible. Why am I doing this? And I remember my coach was like, look, let's just do this. And I trusted him. He's yeah. like, let's just do it. We'll practice it again and we will be fine. Yeah. And I was like, and my, I, I'm competitive and mm. I also trusted him. So I was like, okay, fine. And then we did the quarterfinal and it got a little bit better. Still had uh, some mistakes. Yeah. Okay, we made it to the semifinal. Mm. Did the semifinal. Was still pretty, like, good, couple mistakes. And I was like, okay. And then went into the final. And so when the final happened, it was, we were the most in sync. Like, it was the most together we ever did it. And then we won. And it yeah. was very, I just, I remember I was in shock. Like, I was like, what? Really? <laughs> I was like, really? Are you sure? Sure. <laughs> but it was, no, it was really, it was very, um, very uh it was really it was a really great experience i remember my pa- both my parents were there yeah um so it was really fun you've since gone on to win 10 more times yeah. um no nine more times sorry yes i have um, a lot of time on my hands clearly yes, yes. <laughs> um so how have you maintained that elitism and like what, what are your like rituals and motivations and um you- yeah, yeah so i've competed in the same gender division as well mm-hmm. won that a couple more times yeah. and then i also competed in the soloist division mm-hmm. um the male professional solo division and that's kind of those two have been my bread and butter of the yeah of the um, um the the championships um and so i think i for me i just really it's ironic. I love salsa music and I love music. Yeah. And so I think when it came to the art form of salsa, I try to make sure that I find music that I love, find music that mm. kind of represented me. And I, I connect really well with Latin jazz, like mm. very, this sounds funny, very campy, like happy Latin jazz. Mm. And the beauty of salsa is there's so many styles of salsa music depending on the era it came from depending mm. on kind of what influence if it's more um cuban Afro, uh, afro-cuban influence mm. sounds very different than music that was invented or that was made from the palladium or the 60s and 50s era from new york city and so mm. very jazzy but it's still salsa but it's a very different sounding kind of music um so i i've always tried to connect myself to songs that really are a true representation of my personality of what yeah. i like and mm. what i what i just love hearing mm. in salsa music for myself when it came to that and just keep pushing the boundaries of keep learning and yeah. keep learning new things and keep trying to interpret it differently yeah when it came from a dance perspective mm-hmm. and then from a athletic perspective just try to be faster stronger more flexible mm. and 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 also add that element yeah um within it so i think with the 10 championships or just with my career i've kind of i'm a little not a little bit i would say i'm different uh, than most salsa dancers Mm -hmm. based on the fact that i've um trained in so many different styles yeah so my 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 routines or my my dancing in general is very influenced or it's very obvious that i've done ballroom and i have Mm -hmm. very much strong techniques of that and that i've done ballet jazz um and contemporary so yeah. I add elements that are more than just salsa yeah so it doesn't like just turn into this kind of like more traditional repetitive yeah. sort of yeah and yeah. i think there's and the beauty of salsa is that um how it kind of like as ironically as it is 
when you make salsa, there's a mix of everything, right? There's mm-hmm. tomatoes, capsicum, onions, yeah. you know what I mean? And so that's kind of the same thing of with salsa dancing is mm-hmm. that there's people that are more traditional. There's people that um, will per- will interpret it a little bit different than anyone else, but there's room mm-hmm. for everyone yeah. when it comes to it. And so there's room for someone who's more technical. There's room for mm-hmm. someone who's less technical. Mm-hmm. It just... How do you want to interpret the music? Yeah. And so you've been doing quite well. Um, is, is there anything that you dislike about your own work? Um, dislike about my own work? Uh, I guess I am. It's normal. I am my own worst critique. Yeah. So I think I'm always going to be like, every time I finish on stage, I'm like, oh, man, that was terrible. <laughs> like, that didn't work well. That was bad. Um I think I can appreciate, like when I when I stop becoming my worst critique, mm-hmm. and I start try- and I stop trying to find all the bad things I did yeah. or the things I didn't do well. Mm-hmm. I think um, I can I can yeah. I think I the only thing I really I try to look for is technical things. Yeah, I think what I know that I'm good at and what I know that I like doing mm-hmm. is I like to make people feel things. Yeah, like I like to mm-hmm. make sure that um, emotionally they are being pretty much they're going through that emotional roller coaster mm. with whatever I'm trying to interpret mm. with me. Yeah. So to make sure that they're, they're it's genuine, that they feel mm. that they know who I am as a person and my yeah. feelings and my emotions. Um, so I only look at myself based on a technical standpoint. Yeah. I'm like, you didn't do that right. You didn't put your yeah. toe hard enough. You <laughs> I, fell I, out I guess it's like less emotional too because you can just be like just very practical. Like, you know, that was the wrong yeah, pointed mm. element. Yeah, you didn't jump time. high enough. But that was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but I guess you're, you're always your own worst critique. Yes. Do, do you watch your videos back? I try. Uh, I try not to. Because yeah. I'm always like cringing. But no, yeah. I, I do. I, I mm. it's some. It's sometimes better to watch. I think for myself, I like to watch the videos later on because mm-hmm. then I'm not as critically negative. Then I can yeah. appreciate it and be like, oh, that wasn't that bad. That was nice. Like, yeah. But if I just watch it right after, I'm like. Mm not that's terrible yeah but yeah so i i do sometimes watch myself yeah cool and you and you recently moved from canada to melbourne about two years ago yeah almost two years ago yeah and so what stirred the move and why melbourne why melbourne um well i've always i'm from a a city called edmonton Mm -hmm. edmonton alberta canada in western canada um and so i'm from from there Mm -hmm. and i would say the comparison for all you aussies is like the size of adelaide Mm -hmm. so is it it is a good city to like grow up and live and it's practical and it's very like some people love it and um i will always remember my hometown that's where i started Mm. and i will appreciate and i always have a special place in my heart but i know i always knew that i wanted to like get out i wanted to leave i wanted i love big cities Mm. and i I always had this feeling that i just would grow better if i left Mm. um so i i um growing up being like that but then i also when i started my my dance company like it was such a personal thing that i wanted to finish so i knew mm. it was a very weird time it's like i wanted to leave but i also felt really bad for my students and for what i was mm. creating because i didn't feel like i um finished what i started mm-hmm. And so in 2016, I came to Brisbane for the World Salsa Solo, and that was one of the comps that I won. Yeah. Got invited to come compete here, and that's where I met um, my now 
I would say, like, really good friend and currently my, the director of the school I work for, mm. Alex Bryan. Yeah. So he's from, he lives here in Melbourne and he has a school here mm. named Locomojo Dance. And he, we met, we met earlier in 2016 during the competition. And then we met each other at the end of 2016 when I was here in Brisbane. And we just, during the event being here, we realized that we're very similar in how we teach, mm. but yeah, a little bit different. Um, and then he was like, hey, like, would you like to do an Australian tour in 2017? In the middle of 2017, we can go to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. Uh, we can go to Christchurch and Wellington. Mm. Like, you're just going to have to do performances and teach workshops and privates. And I yeah. was like, oh, my God, when? Let's do it. Like, yeah. it just sounded amazing. Mm-hmm. And so being an, opportunist, I was, being an opportunist, I was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, this is amazing. So then that happened in 2017. Mm. And during the tour... Uh, is when he said, look, like, uh, in term one of 2018, a lot, a lot of my instructors are, are pregnant right now. So they're, I need help. Like, I, I mm. would like to need to have another instructor. Do you want to come for a term? Like, come mm-hmm. for four months? Um, just a term. You don't have to commit to anything more. Yeah. And yeah, then you can decide what you want to do. And I was like, why not? And it just, it felt right. Yeah. It felt right to, at that time, I also was, um, finishing up with my dance company and my students there was a big comp there's a one of the world championships that i compete in and i was bringing them every year so 2018 was kind of the final year that they even were like look mario we loved it but you know and and everyone i teach is an amateur student right Mm. so it's their hobby it's like we did a couple years this is really fun i think this can be the final year and majority of them kind of were saying that so it just kind of was like perfect like yeah karma yeah it was good that they they like appreciated what we did so far mm. they wanted to try their things or they wanted to not compete as much and it felt right for me to leave yeah um it's a nice life cycle yeah and yeah. so i i came here to melbourne and then i had this whole plan like i was like i'm gonna go to melbourne i'm gonna live for four months i'm gonna save up all this money and then i'm gonna move back to canada and i'm gonna move to toronto i'm gonna get an apartment blah mm. blah blah mm. and then a month in melbourne i was like oh shit I want to stay. Yeah. <laughs> like no one I, has that effect. I love it? the city and yeah. I loved the student, like all the students that I work with and mm. I loved the studio and just, I felt happy outside of work mm. and I wasn't really feeling that when I was in Edmonton. Like mm-hmm. if it wasn't for work, my family, my friends, yeah, everything else being in Edmonton, I was just like, mi- not miserable because mm. it I don't want to whinge, but it just wasn't my happiest. I knew I felt like I could have been happier Mm -hmm. outside of it. And so when I moved to Melbourne, I realized I'm like, I'm actually happy. Like, this is, this is great. This is what I wanted. Mm. Is it hard to achieve that balance as a dancer? Because you have so much time spent in rehearsals and, you know, focusing on performances and things. Do you find it difficult to achieve a life work balance where you have like a fulfilling life outside of that yeah i think being a dancer it's very interesting it's like you have and sometimes we don't realize we have such a strong sense of urgency with everything that we do Mm. because we know that the life of a of an actual performer and dancer is very short Mm -hmm. so it's like you can get injured you can start getting old you can you know and you don't have that much time it's like and you'll you're going to reach a peak and then after that you ain't peeking anymore it's Mm -hmm. like you know and it it is what it is because it's a physical thing yeah and so sometimes you can get really caught up with being like what's the next thing what's the next thing what's Mm -hmm. the next thing okay i did the show what's the next show what's the audition and so you then you start to lose kind of the appreciation of the present moment yeah 
you know, and I, I think now me being 26, I always complain. I was like, oh, I'm so old. <laughs> Just because I realize, and it's funny, it's like when I speak to non-dancers, they're like, you're yeah. not old, you're young. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am young, yeah. but not as a dancer. Like, I'm yeah, getting old. Yeah, I feel like most 26-year-olds are probably only a couple years into their careers. And mm. you've been into your career, if you know. For God knows, yeah. for way too long. Over, yeah, almost two, de- two decades. <laughs> God, yeah. like, right? So um it's it's it sometimes can be difficult to mm-hmm. have a work-life balance but i think melbourne maybe show showed me that i was like okay i like being here mm-hmm. in the city um so and the other thing was what can this what can i take away from the city and so yeah. i think the beauty what i loved about it was i was able to work in the evenings and teach and mm-hmm. be a self-sufficient adult that can pay his own bills and, yeah. and do everything and then during the day there was there's uh classes and courses for professional dancers that mm-hmm. you can still challenge yourself as a dancer and yeah, you can amazing. still still yeah. learn new things right and mm-hmm. so when i moved here i realized i'm like wow i have the ability to make money and do what I love mm. and inspire people and and, and yeah. help people with goals with goals that they have in dancing. But then I'm also to nurture my own dancing during mm. the day and have that balance, which was great. Yeah, that's amazing. I really like Melbourne for that way that it's just such a creative city, mm. and you can always just kind of be even like in your personal time engaging that creative part of yourself. Um, so kind of just moving on um to more of yeah the the dancing industry um is salsa solely competition based um no not i would say it's definitely not solely competition based i think so salsa salsa started as very much of a social street dance Mm -hmm. um and i think throughout the years with kind of performances and and events happening Mm -hmm. so kind of the the main thing or the biggest thing in outside of social dancing, salsa dancing, is you'll have what we call congresses mm-hmm. or events or conventions or festivals. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much just like a huge party where yeah. you the organizers of these events will either invite different instructors depending yeah. on their budget and the size of the event will be mm-hmm. international instructors or national ones. And then you'll have workshops during the day, you'll have performances at nighttime, and then you'll mm-hmm. have social dancing mm-hmm. um, and parties and DJs or Amazing. live bands, depending, mm-hmm. right? And every event is different. So there's that, that that's a very big part mm-hmm. of salsa dancing. I think competition ha- is the is very recent in yeah. the last like five, six, seven years. It, oh, uh, is, yeah. mm-hmm. It's much more recent and um, it's taken a big boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it has brought in new influx of people that like Mm. to compete yeah right um because we salsa dancing kind of looks at the world of ballroom dancing Mm. and ballroom dancing has been structured and has been is much older than salsa Mm. right and so their culture of competition is huge Mm. um and kind of they in salsa they kind of were starting or they started kind of that same ideology same culture of it Mm. um but I would say salsa dancing has is not just competition. Yeah, It'll be social cool. dancing and performances. Yeah, and then there's competition as well. It's good to have that mix, I guess. Um, and how do you balance the um, kind of the art form versus the athleticism of dance? Mm, personally, um, I guess I. Like, I like to keep a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was kind of around that 18, 19, 20 mm-hmm. phase, I went to uni for a couple of years 
And then I told my parents to screw off. And I was like, I can't do this. Wait, just, what were you studying? Oh, God, this is terrible. So I I was like, typical of me, I was like, let's go into business. And I was like, <laughs> why not? And I was like, fine, let's do that. And then didn't like it. Mm. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll try. I like econ, I, economics. So let's try like learning more about economics. That was terrible. <laughs> like, the worst idea of life. So I was there for like two years and I was mm. like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like this is draining my life, mm-hmm. not doing it. And then at that same time, I found CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I love working with one-on-one people. Yeah. Or small, a, a small group of people. Mm-hmm. And so I, f- I, I, I realized very quickly on, that's like, if I can help someone mm. with their goals and be part of their journey, mm-hmm. that is the most, fulf- and I get to make money of it, mm-hmm. that is the most fulfilling thing I can do. Yeah. And that's what I want to do for mm-hmm. work. So then I realized I like, I like fitness. I like being healthy. I mm-hmm. like working out. Um, and then I went to school to be a personal fitness trainer. Mm-hmm. So then now moving on to kind of where I am now, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I try to find a good balance of like dancing and, mm-hmm. and keep going to classes and keep, keep being a dancer, but then also adding weight training and, mm-hmm. and working out on top of that to kind of keep yeah. the, the body healthy and stuff. And yeah. just for my own mental release, I love it. It's my alone time. It's my time yeah. to just be at the gym, listen mm. to the music I want to listen to, relax, mm. take my time. Um, I'm a very much of an extrovert, but that's when I'm like the most introverted in the gym, just because it's nice. just my yeah. my alone time. Yeah, exactly. And kind of going off that, you know, what the dance a dancer's body is like one of the most important tools. And you've been talking a lot about like injuries and also um, aging and things like that. But then there's also you know this kind of the industry can place this importance on visual standards and physique. How do you think that the industry can do that without pushing um, kind of like an unrelenting scrutiny on how people look, which might push some other people out of the dancing spaces? Mm. I think um, I think almost, almost all dance forms outside of ballet mm. is very much accepting. Yeah. Can be very much accepting mm. on different sizes. I think the biggest thing is confidence, right? If yeah. you feel confident within your body, then mm-hmm. you will attract, like, you will then catch people's attention. Yeah. If you're, attra- like, if you feel confident in your own skin. Mm. Um, and, yeah, when it comes to, in, like, the commercial world, the Latin world, there is a little bit of, like, you know, the standard or, like, there's an underlying kind of uh, thought of what a dancer should look like. Mm-hmm. But then I think individually, if you're just very confident with yeah. yourself and your skin, mm-hmm. then you kind of beat that mold and people don't really second, yeah. people don't second guess you or question it. It's mm-hmm. like, you're just confident. That's great. Do you think it's been getting better in recent years or has it always kind of been that way in more Latin dancing? Yeah, it's been, I think it's been definitely getting, uh, definitely getting better in more recent years. Um, there's still obviously work to be done, I think, in certain mm-hmm. dance forms. But um, I think as long as you're confident and you're healthy and, yeah. you f- and you're healthy and your, your body is in, yeah. a, in, in a good place, mm-hmm. then you're, 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 you're good yeah. when it comes yeah. to that. And how do you maintain like a good relationship with your body? Um, you know, even with like the fear of aging and injury, like how do you think you're going to be dealing with those things in the future and kind of maintaining a healthy relationship? Yeah, I think um, and now being 26, I've had 
multiple entries mm-hmm. i'm not naive anymore mm-hmm. like i'm not like oh i'm a spring chicken i'm just <laughs> not gonna warm up and just go yeah. full out i can't do that i don't have mm-hmm. that luxury anymore that yeah. i used to and then I've, I've accepted it it's like mm-hmm. i make a joke about it it's fine like there's some days i wake up and i'm like oh man i'm so old and everything yeah. hurts but i think um you just you have to learn to listen to understand your mm-hmm. body and then your body's changing and just accept yeah. and do it. And it's like, okay, can't do this that much right now. Or I got to warm up a little bit more mm-hmm. or I got to take care of it um, and listen to it and just appreciate it because yeah. it's why fight it. Do you yeah. mean like why fight the fact that you're getting older that you have to like stretch a little bit more or warm up a little mm-hmm. more. It's like, if you want to keep doing it, then you just kind of have to, if you don't accept yeah. it, then it's like, then don't do it, but then mm. there's there's consequences, yeah. right? Bloody stretch. <laughs> right? Uh, things like that. So, yeah, I've, I've got to enjoy kind of how my yeah. body is. Mm. Um, and I think as you become older, you're, you, you're, you just become more mature. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, I'm like, you know, I, recently I, I've been in these auditions um, for cruise ships because been, I've been auditioning for cruise ships. And so... I realize when I look around and I'm in these auditions, I'm like, oh my God, I'm one of the oldest people in this yeah. audition. Like everyone's 18. What, what, what do you mean you're auditioning for a cruise ship? What so, does that mean? <laughs> so um, pretty much my my partner and I, we've been auditioning for to be dancers in, in cruise ships. Oh, yeah, okay. it's a ve- yeah. that's another very big thing in like the mm. commercial line, um, commercial jazz ballet world. Yeah, um, is to be da- a dancer in a cruise ship. So the people in the cruise ship just can the, the, part of that their um, trip is having dancers on board to perform for them, basically. Yeah, so in that's a cruise awesome. ship they have yeah. like different entertainment. Like they'll have like mm. depending on the ship that you go to, right, and the the company that you're mm. with. There's so many different out there. They're, yeah. They'll have like either ice skating, dancing, singing, yeah. all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but when I'm in these auditions, I realize I'm like, I'm one of the oldest people here. Like, w- the only thing I would want to change is have a younger person's body, but not have their brain. Just because, yeah. <laughs> in a way, it's like when I think of myself being 2021, 20, it's like, I'm, it was different. Like, I, mm. I appreciate different things now. I understand yeah. a little bit more. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, that totally makes sense. I'd like to go back to when you were talking about teaching before and how important that is to you. Um, obviously, good teachers are really fundamental in the world of dance. I do a bit of dancing and I you know, I like idolize my teachers. They're amazing. And I always feel so lucky they're being so generous um, with their skills and also just putting in so much effort to mm. um, amateur dancers. It's really great. Uh, so what is your approach um, and philosophy to dance teaching? Mm. Um I, this, I remember when you sent me this question, I was like, what is my philosophy? I was like, <laughs> uh, and I, I think w- the best way I can explain it is I want whoever I work with, um, and I know that like, uh, like anyone, like when you idolize your teacher, mm. you want to, you want to dance like them or you want, you know what I mean? You, you like what they do. Mm. I think my biggest philosophy and how I want to teach people is I don't want to make copies of myself. Yeah. I don't want to tell someone how to interpret music. I don't want to tell mm. someone how to feel a certain way. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I want to help people understand 
how to control your body more, how to mm. be faster, how to be slower, how to yeah. use your feet, how to be, how to build the proper mechanics mm-hmm. to make you a better efficient dancer. Yeah. But then there's a line of like, however you want to interpret it, however it makes you feel, mm-hmm. there's no right and wrong. That mm-hmm. is how you want to do it. And I want to give people the, I guess, the skills, uh, the physical skills mm. of how to interpret music and get them to explore it because yeah. that is the most fulfilling thing is mm. to put on a song and just dance to however you feel. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, rather than being like, you need to dance like me. Like and there's, and there's, and there's, yeah, yeah. And there's some instructors that that's what they value and, mm. and there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's room for everyone. Yeah. But for myself, it's like, I don't want to see copies of me. Yeah. I don't mind if you're inspired by me and you love mm. what I do. Like, you do however you want to do it. Yeah. Like you interpret music the way you want mm-hmm. to. And it's okay to pull inspiration from others. But um, I want to give people the tools to allow them to explore mm-hmm. kind of their interpretation and their way of, of doing things. Yeah, yeah. And can you remember a teacher that made a difference for you? Oh, I've been lucky enough that I've had so many, so yeah. many teachers that I've given that. I think... Um, yeah, like uh, I had a, I've had instructors from California, John Narvaez and Liz Rojas, that mold me when I was, at least I started when mm-hmm. I was really young. Yeah, and they've instilled, they instilled very much of a professional, that their their professionalism of how they mm-hmm. ha- run their classes and their company and their brand yeah. was very important, um, and other uh, more than just the dancing, and mm-hmm. um, they, yeah, they they helped me a lot when it comes to that. Um, I worked with an instructor named Anya Katzevan from New York mm-hmm. City. And she also was very much a big believer of, uh, like body mechanics and everything. But I'm, I'm, how am I supposed to interpret the music? How do I want to yeah. feel it? I worked with other instructors, Tito and Tamara from Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. um, that also kind of influenced the same way, just a little bit different. So I've, yeah. I've been lucky enough that kind of my circle of instructors, That's amazing. Yeah. um, have their own view of, mm-hmm. of different things and what they want me to do, but also yeah. still respect that how whatever I want to do, oh, how I want to do things. So I yep. think now, for instance, um, I'm at a point where I wa- maybe want to compete in like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I realized that pretty much the song is very important for me. And mm-hmm. so now all my instructors are like, look, this is, this is the type of music you do it. Like, this yeah. is your song. Like, yeah. no one else, probably no one else is going to use it or mm-hmm. ve- like rarely someone's going to use it. Yeah. Like, it may not be my cup of tea, but we know that you're gonna you're gonna kill it, or this is the mm. way it's gonna make you feel really good. And uh, mm. when then when you go on stage, because you love the music and you love interpreting it, you're gonna make us feel something that is you. Yeah, that's lovely. And kind of talking about that, you're you know practicing your choreography and things like that, and you're performing, but also teaching in that broad spectrum. When do you feel most yourself? Mm. I would say. Uh, I genuinely would feel most myself when I'm practicing performing mm-hmm. and learning like just in the studio dancing. Yeah. Teaching for me is still myself because I love, I think it's another challenge of uh, working with people. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I love when a student actually is like, 
I don't understand what you're saying. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. it's like a Rolodex in your brain. Like, okay, I'm not going to explain it the same way I did because they're not understanding it, which is fine. How yeah. can you get this person to, to get it? Like, mm-hmm. how can you how can you rearrange your words? How can you approach it differently? And so that challenge is something I really like. Yeah. Um, but I do love performing and I love mm-hmm. dancing and I love being on stage. Mm-hmm. So I think my my most like from hierarchy would be performing yeah at the studio and then teaching teaching a big part of my life yeah it supplements the fact that i can be Mm. you know a dancer but yeah performing would be my truest oh lovely most truest self it's great to hear how you bring just like the art form of it into your teaching so you're kind of not being like move your body like this and this is how you do this but you're really trying to teach people how to bring in that spiritual mm. aspects mm. yes um it's fun and 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 uh, i think with social with teaching a social dance because when you teach beginners right mm. you're not going that's not something you're going to emphasize right because they're yeah. just beginner they don't know they're like mm. very much like nervous it's like yeah. no let's just emphasize having fun and yeah. being able to dance with anybody in the room yeah right and so uh, then it's like a different feeling of of that you're pulling out of them mm. and then when you get like a more experienced dancer when it's like okay this is kind of your challenge now. Your, mm. your challenge isn't like the beginners or the intermediates, yeah. right? So it's really fun. That's awesome. And to kind of just go on from that, just to finish off, mm-hmm. um, what can we see from you in the next 12 months? 12 months. Ooh. Um, so I, both my partner and I, we, so as I mentioned, we auditioned for mm-hmm. a cruise ship, for cruise ships. And so we both got a contract together. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So next year in the end of knock on wood if everything goes Mm -hmm. well we got the contract we'll be leaving and so we'll be on a cruise ship for the next seven eight months amazing just dancing performing be really fun that's awesome yeah he's done it many 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 times Mm -hmm. like four contracts five contracts and i've Mm -hmm. never done one and kind of when i moved here to melbourne and i entered the world of commercial dancing Mm -hmm. which is something i never really done before Mm -hmm. like i've competed a lot in salsa and I have a successful career in Latin dancing, salsa mm-hmm. dancing. But as a commercial dancer, I'm still relatively new. Yeah. And so when I moved here, I was like, oh, there's such a big win. There's so much endless possibilities yeah. in other dance forms rather than mm. just competing in salsa and performing in salsa, which I still love. Yeah. Um, but I realized being here, it kind of opened up my eyes to like mm. the world of dance and everything you can do is so big mm. and there's endless possibilities. Um, and so I've been grateful enough doing shows here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. being part of a commercial show. Um, and then cruise ships is one of the things that I kind of exposed, I got exposed to and I was like, oh, I want to try one. And yeah. I know myself and I know that if I have the itch, I need to scratch it because yeah. I need, I want to try it <laughs> at least once and see what it feels yeah. like and be, and do it. And so then lucky enough when I met my partner, he's done it and just feels right to do it together and that that's what nice. we wanted so yeah next year if all goes well fingers crossed knock on yeah. wood um we'll be on a cruise ship together for a majority of the year and where's the cruise ship go it will be um a caribbean cruise ship so oh, it'll amazing be, amazing so we're gonna have <laughs> a whole year of summer which is great oh we leave, good after being in melbourne like yes so we leave cold and end of february mm-hmm. then we go to miami and then we'll be sailing through the caribbean uh, and then we come back, the contract ends in November. Yeah. So we'll experience a little bit of like fall, not yeah. really. And then it goes back to winter. So it's great. Cool. And we'd be coming back to Melbourne? Or? Uh, yeah, of yeah. course, of course. Melbourne okay. uh, is now home.
Thank you so much for plugging in and listening to my little podcast today. If you want to hear more of In The Arts, episodes are on all podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Wherever you find your podcast, it will be there. And these are released each Thursday, probably until early March, unless, of course, I decide to make some more. Admittedly, though, this is a bit of an experiment for me. I have no performance or public speaking experience, um, so I'm coming to this very green so it would mean the world to me if you could let me know if you are listening and enjoying the show you can do so by subscribing on one of those podcast apps you can leave a review which would be lovely or you could even just do something like popping a screenshot of the episode in your instagram story you can tag me my instagram is tan super dry like the beer han super dry i'll pop this all in the show notes again thanks for listening